This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. And just when you thought that spring was springing, (laughs) Mother Nature said, oh, no, you don't. Wow, what a wallop of snow a big part of the province got uh, overnight. Whew. Lots of schools closed or delayed openings as a result. And uh, here in the metro region, we were like, oh, yeah, we got the rain. Everything is fine. And then, of course, driving in this morning, it was uh, not the best. I have to just be honest, not the best. Anyway, that's it. April in Newfoundland and Labrador. What? What have we come to expect? <laughs> it is uh, still a good possibility of some uh, wintry weather right through to what? <laughs> sometimes July, David. <laughs> I've seen the snow flying in July. I have. Uh, anyway, um, be careful out there if you happen to be out and about and uh, take your time clearing it all up. Well, this is National Dental Hygiene Week. Uh, week sorry, the links have often been made between good oral health and physical health as a whole. Well, who better to speak about good dental hygiene but dental hygienists? Nicole Kylie. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Linda. And Natasha Pelly. Hi, Natasha. Hello. So, uh, Nicole, I guess we'll start with you. What is a dental hygienist? Oh, Linda, that's a great question. So, um, dental, there's a misconception that your dental hygienist only cleans your teeth. But our profession actually involves a lot more than that. Um, We are regulated health professionals here in Newfoundland. And um, we want to be considered part of all Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, Labradorians' primary care team. So we don't just provide dental cleanings, but we also screen for oral cancer. Um, we track and measure dental health. We help people improve their oral health. And we help identify risk factors and modify behaviors to help people be as healthy as possible. Um, and we could also whiten smiles. So there's a, we've got a pretty broad scope of practice here in Newfoundland. And how do they differ from dentists? So dentists are doctors who um, are focused on the diagnosis of disease and treatment of disease. Um, they also um, do, I mean, your, your dental professionals as a whole want you to be as healthy as possible, but dental hygienists focus on the prevention aspect of oral health. Ah, and, and you might be able to alert others to things that you're noticing. Exactly. And and to be truthful, most people spend more time with their registered dental hygienist than with most of the health professionals, including their dentist. Um, So it's a great opportunity for us to even catch some other links um, between oral health and overall health. And sometimes we could see some early signs of diseases in the mouth. Do they work oftentimes in concert with dentists? Absolutely. So um, here in Newfoundland, dental hygienists, because we're self we're, we're regulated, um, we can work in a whole bunch of different settings, including long-term cares, schools. Some hygienists offer mobile services, like that's how I first started was going into people's homes. Um, but ultimately, we work alongside, just not necessarily under the same roof as dentists. So we're we're definitely partners with all of the dental, the whole dental crowd. Natasha, how important is good oral health? Very, very important. Our oral health impacts other parts of our body. So if our oral health is suffering, 
it can affect us negatively. So it's even linked to our heart, arthrosclerosis, increased blood pressure, so also increased risk for heart attack. It's related to our lungs. It can worsen inflammation in diseases such as asthma and COPD. It's linked to arthritis. Uh, Diabetes is a big one. It's a two-way street. If our gums are off, it can affect our sugars and vice versa. Um, Definitely a lot to do with mental wellness and our brain. So we're more likely to have a stroke and Alzheimer's and dementia. And there's still lots left to learn, like regarding uh, bacteria in our mouth. And and it's not only our gums that can affect our rest of our body, but other diseases can affect our mouth, such as Alzheimer's too, because we may, you know, we might forget what we're doing, how to brush our teeth, poor fitting dentures and resisting care in homes, etc. It affects our kidneys. It's a very long list. <laughs> it's amazing, really. And so what are those links then? Because sometimes you might think, well, if you have arthritis and are having trouble, you know, getting a good grip on a toothbrush and, and brushing your teeth correctly, that could affect your overall health. But you're saying that your oral health could affect things like arthritis and heart conditions and the like. Why? Well, bacteria and inflammation molecules, they can start in our mouth in a gum infection, get into our bloodstream and travel around our body. So when our gums are inflamed, it's called gingivitis. Itis means inflammation. So arthritis is inflammation of our joints. So Nicole, do you see this kind of thing often? Do you say to somebody, you know, well, as you're as you're working with them, no doubt you're having a bit of conversation, although it's kind of hard to do it like that. But <laughs> Uh, But, you know, you're in conversation with them. You're finding out, okay, so how often do you brush your teeth? Uh, um, You know, do you floss regularly? I'm noticing you have a bit of inflammation in your gums. Have you noticed uh, problems with this, that, and the other thing? Like, do you get a kind of more comprehensive feel? Definitely. So um, one thing that we do in our clinic is we help people set realistic goals. So when we, I always say to people, if you've rubbed a string between your fingers or across your leg and it bled, most of us would be concerned because we wouldn't understand why that's happening. In the mouth, people often overlook it because they feel like it's like the norm. It's their common thing. Um, so when it comes to helping people reduce and reverse inflammation, the conversation is usually around, let's find the tools, let's look at your behaviors. If flossing doesn't work, there might be something else that could work. Um, And we often use the mouth-body connection now um, to help motivate brushing and flossing. It's not about wagging your finger and telling people constantly to brush and floss. We talk more about why we recommend that. And that's even a conversation I've started having with children, and it resonates really well with them. You're mentioning inflammation, and it strikes me as you're doing so that I've heard it referenced in a number of health conditions, inflammation. What exactly is inflammation, and, and what is it... What does it signal? So inflammation is essentially your body's response to um, what they see as a threat. So in your mouth, it's the perfect environment. It's wet. It's warm. There's basically a constant food source. So it's your body's immune response to help protect itself. So when it comes to the health of our gums, let's say, bacteria often build up around the gum line. So that's where people usually see the inflammation. Um, And 
gum, like the gingivitis part, inflammation of the gums is reversible and preventable. But unfortunately, there's also oral health conditions that involve inflammation where people lose the bone that supports their teeth. So that's called periodontitis. That often usually leads to loose teeth. It's part of the reason why some of our grandparents and maybe even some of our parents have dentures because they lost teeth. So essentially, that's the body attacking the bone that holds the teeth in. Um, so that's even like that's more detrimental. It's not reversible. It's manageable. Some people can, with regular visits, can prevent it from worsening. Um, but that's how inflammation can also present in the mouth. So bleeding gums, while common, is not normal. Definitely not normal. Yeah. Like I said, if, if any other pot, part of your body bled so easily when it was touched with a toothbrush, or a piece of string, then most people would be alarmed. But it's just become so like commonplace, right? But it's, it's definitely not normal. So what causes that? Is that the bacteria getting up under the gum? Yeah, definitely. It's aggressive. Back so there's your mouth is filled with lots of different bacteria. Um, and interesting enough, when babies are born, they kind of have a blank slate. They have a really clean microbiome. So they get the bacteria from the people around them. So different bacteria cause different diseases. That's why some people might not have great oral hygiene, but they tend to not get many cavities because they don't have S. mutans, which is a specific bacteria linked to cavities. So some of the more aggressive disease-causing bacteria are the ones that are associated with the bone diseases, with the bone losses. Wow, I'm getting an education today. <laughs> um, when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about the the work that dental hygienists do and how it's covered and, you know, where it lies within the healthcare system when we come back right after this. My guests today on, on Target are dental hygienists Nicole Kiley and Natasha Pelly. This is National Dental Hygiene Week. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you on target weekday afternoons at one on your vocm my guests today on on target are nicole kiley and natasha pelly they're dental hygienists and this is national dental hygiene week um so natasha how is what you do typically covered well um sometimes people are lucky enough to have dental insurance sometimes not so people do pay out of pocket for things and also uh, MCP for the children is really awesome. It covers two checkups a year and a cleaning, some x-rays, and preventive sealants. And why do people typically come to you as opposed to a dentist? What, do, what are they looking for primarily, a good cleaning? Definitely, yes. And sometimes if, if you work at a general dental office, um, you may get your cleaning and checkup at the same time. So uh, what kind of a role can dental hygienists play in a more comprehensive health care plan? Well, we are definitely essential, but we're more of a, a private service. I mean, it would be great if we could get jobs in the health care system for sure. That'd be a great job. Nicole, is there a bigger role that dental hygienists can play in a, in a, in a you know, a more comprehensive health care you know approach definitely so um personally one of our focuses in my practice in my dental hygiene clinic 
is helping people overcome dental anxiety. So we are trying to increase access to care for people who maybe have not been able to access care. Um, but another role, an increasingly important role um, that dental hygienists will play in our healthcare system is that um, we have a lot of people now that are keeping their teeth longer. So there was a time when, let's say, seniors had mainly dentures, and that's definitely not always the case anymore. We have a lot of people now who are in long-term care and extended care facilities who have um, greater needs than what the staff can provide. It's not just as easy as a toothbrush and a denture and a glass anymore. Um, and now that we also, we talked a little bit about all those connections for oral health, we also know that in Newfoundland and Labrador, we have some of the highest rates of heart disease, diabetes, asthma. Um, so with all those connections, it's even more important to help our vulnerable population keep their oral health in check, and it requires some expertise. It's just not as easy as it used to be anymore. You mentioned dental anxiety, and um, fortunately, that's not something that I've ever been overly worried about, but there are people who would rather stick pins in their eyes than to open their mouth up and have people poking at their teeth. <laughs> um, so is, is that something that leads to poor dental health in the end? So that is something that I am passionate about, um, and having conversations with clients at my clinic I found that for a lot of people, I mean, we all can kind of understand dental anxiety, but for a lot of people, their fear of the dental office has little to do with pain and more with the fear of being judged. And we have, I have lots of people who tell me they would rather, it's easier in the moment to put off care and deal with a dental emergency than it is to sit down and open their mouths because they feel so vulnerable. Um, so dental anxiety is definitely huge and it varies, right? Some people have, um, let's say, edging on a phobia um, and some people just don't enjoy the experience. But for the people who don't like going to the dental offices, like a traditional clinic or even like sometimes a dental hygiene setting, there's so many triggers. There's the smells, the sounds, the sights, the tastes, like it's just everything. So there are there's a large portion of the population that can agree that they have some level of dental anxiety. And as you just indicated, if you have already experienced dental problems or you know you've got some some problems there, a lot of people, the last thing they want to do is sit down in a chair and have someone look and say, now, how did you get like this? But it's not exactly. like that anymore. It's definitely not. I mean, that's one thing if we could use this as a little public platform is that it's, you know, sometimes from what I talk to with clients, um, sometimes they, they feel shamed, let's say, over um, not being able to keep up with flossing. Um, but for some people, it's the fear of feeling irresponsible and they read between the lines. So when your hygienist is gazing into your mouth and furrowing their brow, I promise they're likely not even thinking about you. We are making our grocery lists. I mean, I mean, we're focused on the task at hand, but for a lot of people, it's not the direct judgment. It's even the like the the with the way that they look at you, looking at them, and you're just happy they're in the chair and happy to get them back on track. And you're professionals. Absolutely. So you deal with these things professionally. 
and you want to help your patients to the best of your ability. Definitely. The federal liberals recently entered into agreement, of course, with the federal NDP, and uh, the NDP, of course, has long advocated for a national dental care program. What might that mean for dental hygienists? Natasha, did you want to talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, for Nicole and I, it would help us as we're growing our practices, but we'll get to see more patients, make more connections. But it's not all about us. It's about the greater good. Everybody's deserving of access to oral oral health care. Sorry, do you believe that um, uh, dental hygienists would be included in a a comprehensive dental care program? I think so. From what I was reading, it seemed like there would be some cleanings involved. Right now, there there isn't anything in the the adult um, drug card plan right now. For it's it's capped at three hundred dollars a year. It's for exam and X rays. There's no preventative component. So doing the overall health and the the link to our our mouth, I definitely feel that there will be some yes cleanings and yearly checkups and everything includes. What would you like to see? Uh, I'd love for people to to take make use of this plan. I, I grew up out in a small town. Uh, a lot of people couldn't afford dental care, nor did we live somewhere where a lot of employers had insurance. So uh, people making available services and, and using it for their full benefit. And that's a big thing too, isn't it? The, the way that it's covered, uh, Nicole, do you find that there are gaps in, in, you know, what some of your patients have access to and what some of them don't? I mean, definitely. I mean, when we talk about how um, important the federal dental program is, because at some point the mouth became disconnected from the body and only certain people could afford to have teeth. Um, so, I mean, there's there's lots of gaps. And even people, um, I mean, there's some barriers to care when it comes to, like Natasha mentioned, a lot of our, um, right now, only the children's the Children's MCP Dental Program offers preventive dental care, whereas all of our other government programs, while they do cover a little bit of dental work, um, it's mainly an emergency plan. It's to help get people out of pain. Um, so prevention um, just hasn't been in the budget. When, when meanwhile, we also can't afford for people to be sicker than they are, and people can't afford to have, you know, tooth problems. Um, but there's lots of gaps in in the coverage, and even people who have the, the bare minimal coverage with the social services programs who don't understand what they're entitled to and they don't know how to access care. I mean, there's still a lot of confusion. I still meet parents who don't realize that their children have coverage up until the age of 13. So there's, there's a, it's a, it's a hard thing to educate people on the services that are available to them. And sometimes it's not always easy to get the answers you're looking for. Definitely, especially if they're people who maybe don't have access to the internet or who who are ashamed or feel um, embarrassed to call the dental office to see if they they accept the program. I see that a lot with um, NIHB, with the Dental Insurance for First Nations. Um, a lot of them don't understand that they have coverage. They don't understand how to use their coverage, um, and it's and then therefore they don't access care because they don't understand what their benefits are. And it's hard to ask a question if you don't know what you have. 
Exactly. You don't even know what questions to ask, right? And like, it's true. A lot of people don't even realize that just all you need is your status number in order to, to avail of benefits um, through the Nunavut government and through NIHB. My guests today on On Target are Nicole Kylie and Natasha Pelly. They're local dental hygienists. And when we come back, Natasha, I'm going to ask you about when good oral health practices should begin uh, when we come back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. My guests today are dental hygienists Nicole Kiley and Natasha Pelly. This is National Dental Hygiene Week across Canada. And uh, we're talking about ways to take care of your oral health and your overall health as a as a you know, a whole body thing. So uh, Natasha, I'm gonna ask you, when should good oral health practices begin? Right from the beginning, even when a baby doesn't have teeth. Um, going to sleep with milk in our mouth can cause some gum irritations and then most importantly when they do have their teeth um, going to sleep with milk on your teeth is uh, can definitely cause decay so and going to the dentist by your first birthday or your first tooth get a little ride in the chair it, it seems early but dental visits are very important so parents can learn tips for taking care of teeth for the children too and I guess uh, familiarizing children with that atmosphere at an early age so it's not quite so, I suppose, intimidating. Yes, for sure. My first cousin actually brought our little boy in last week just before his first birthday, and he sat in a chair and went for a little ride, and I put the little polisher in and gave him a toy, and we'll try again next time. And he'll have that as a memory now. Yeah. So, um what are good oral health practices? What are some standard things we should all be doing? Um, most importantly, doing a really good brushing and flossing before bed. When we go to sleep, our mouth tends to get a little dry. Uh, drinking lots of water throughout the day. Uh, rinsing away any coffee or tea we have. There's acid in coffee too, which can irritate our teeth. Um, choosing leafy green snacks, so bringing vegetables to work for your lunch versus chips, bread, toast, crackers, uh, granola bars. They seem healthy, but they do have a lot of sugar. And um, you were mentioning some of these things, but um, uh, getting a good brushing requires, I, I would imagine, a good toothbrush. What should you consider, cons uh, consider when purchasing a toothbrush? Um, there are definitely a lot of things to consider the size of your mouth. So if you have a smaller mouth, look for a little smaller bristle size. Usually the size 30 is pretty standard. Um, also the size of the handle. If you have dexterity problems uh, or bad hands, a bigger handle may be easier for you to maneuver in your mouth. Electric toothbrushes are, are great also for all ages. I use an electric toothbrush. And what else were you asking? Now, I'm not used to these interviews. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I do notice, though, that you mentioned dry mouth because our mouths tend to get a little dry overnight. And I know that that's a problem for some people, especially if they're on certain medications and that sort of thing. Why is dry mouth such a problem for good oral health? Our saliva uh, serves a good function in our mouth. Well, it keeps our tissues moist, able to speak, but it also dissolves... Uh, carbohydrates in our mouth it's the first place that they're 
digested in our bodies. So they're so part of the whole digestive system. Pardon me? You know, the saliva in your mouth is part of the whole digestive system. Yes. And if, uh, if we have plaque on our teeth and we have sugar in our teeth, they mix together and make acid cells cause the cavities. So we have to, our mouth very clean, watch what we're eating and hope for the best. Nicole, I've noticed over the years that toothpaste has changed so much. Now it's promising to get you a new car and everything. I don't know. It's, it's like super spectacular or something. Toothbrush, toothpaste has really become a marketing dream, I suppose. Now we have whiteners. There's even charcoal that some people have been using. That's a bit of a trend, I suppose, that was on the go for a little while. Are, are whiteners or abrasive agents good for your teeth? No, and, and like you said, this whole toothpaste phenomenon, I mean, if you go stand in front of the oral health aisle, it's no wonder that people don't know what to use anymore. Um, so when it comes to toothpaste, I mean, with the abrasivity, a lot of them are, are regulated. Like there's a scale. Toothpaste can only be so abrasive. Um, but some of them whitening, if you look, every toothpaste on the market has a whitening claim now. Um, they don't all have active whitening ingredients. There are some toothpaste that contain low levels of hydrogen peroxide. Um, but for the most part, the whitening does come from the toothpaste being a little more abrasive. With that being said, Sensodyne, which is a very smooth toothpaste, also has whitening. Um, when it comes to choosing a toothpaste, I usually tell people to not get mesmerized by the sparkly packaging. The top shelves are usually the more expensive pastes with the nicer packaging. I usually say mid to lower level, a basic toothpaste, um, something with fluoride. You're right, the charcoal thing is kind of trendy. There's no evidence that it lightens teeth. Some people think it's really abrasive. I've done a little bit of research, and it's not really that much abrasive. It's just kind of nonsensical. There's no benefit. Um, sometimes the real dark stuff can give the illusion that teeth look brighter. Um, but what we usually say to people is if you're, if you're interested in brightening your smile, to trust a dental professional and access professional whitening and then stick with a basic fluoride toothpaste, um, mid to bottom shelf. Um, and there are some new actually ingredients being added to toothpaste now um, in conjunction with or instead of fluoride like xylitol, which helps neutralize your saliva and helps kill off cavity-causing bacteria, and also um, calcium hydroxyapatite, which is um, a remineralizing agent similar to fluoride that's being added to some of the newer toothpaste now. That's easy for you to say. I know. (laughs) You've been practicing. I know. (laughs) Now, you mentioned fluoride a few times, and I know growing up that that was the big, you know, thing. You know, it contains fluoride, and then they started adding fluoride to our drinking water. Um, What exactly is fluoride, and why is it so important for oral health? So in Newfoundland, we actually don't have fluoridated water sources. Um, Our tap water isn't fluoridated. So they do that in some communities to help lower the chance of decay because fluoride can be absorbed uh, systemically in small amounts. Um, But basically, what I tell people is that fluoride toothpaste, while it's an important part of our daily routine for preventing cavities, it's not the be-all, end-all. So fluoride replaces the minerals that our teeth lose from the acid from our diet. And most diets are pretty high in acid, even the healthy ones. Um, So... Fluoride helps replace the, the, the minerals. Um, if somebody 
isn't using fluoride toothpaste properly, because um, a lot of people don't realize you actually shouldn't wet your toothbrush when you put toothpaste on it because you dilute it. Um, but you only need a pea-sized amount. But the problem is, in some children, if we see that there's gobs of plaque on their teeth, then their toothbrush bristles aren't removing the plaque, and so the fluoride actually isn't touching the surface of the tooth. So just because someone uses fluoride toothpaste doesn't mean they're not gonna get cavities. It's an important step for keeping our teeth healthy, but there's definitely other things to consider when it comes to preventing cavities. And how do you prevent that plaque from developing? Is it just good? toothbrushing, understanding how to brush properly? How do you do that? It is. So plaque is, I mean, I think we can all kind of picture like the fuzzy stuff that grows on teeth. It can be hard to see with your naked eye. Um, Plaque essentially builds up in layers. So the only way to get rid of plaque is to actually disturb it by brushing it. Um, You can't rinse plaque away. It needs to be manually disturbed. So when we brush, it's actually only part of the puzzle. So we brush to remove most of the plaque, but then there's some that stays between our teeth and below our gum line. So we need to use another tool like floss, an interdental brush, um, a sulca brush, a water flosser, um, and actually physically disturb that plaque. Because otherwise, it just, below the gum line, more plaque builds up. It gets a little bit of sugar in there. It festers, and that's why we kind of get a bad breath or we get a bad taste in our mouth when we do clean between. So the only way to get rid of plaque is to manually disturb it. And, of course, that leads to that inflammation and gingivitis and all of those things. Exactly, and that's what happens when we leave that plaque behind because your body is trying to essentially attack the bacteria on its own, but it can't really do that. So middle to bottom rows of the toothpaste aisle, don't be too caught up in all the flash and excitement. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. My guests today on On Target are uh, dental hygienist Nicole Kiley and Natasha Pelly. We're learning a lot here today. Uh, We'll be back right after this. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. And this is National Dental Hygiene Week (laughs) across Canada. And my guests today are dental hygienists Nicole Kiley and Natasha Pelly. We've been talking about good toothbrushes, a good toothpaste, uh, but you've both mentioned sugar. And we have a tax coming up on sugar-sweetened beverages and the impact that uh, excess sugar can have. But what does, what is the impact of excess sugar on teeth? Dental decay, number one. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Natasha, do you want to yeah, sure. Well, the sugar, the sugar it has a cavity. It definitely causes cavities, and it, like I said earlier, it mixes with our plaque to form acid and just gradually wear our teeth down. And is is there too much sugar in what we're eating now, Nicole? Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the problem, right? When it comes to sugar and cavities, we often talk about that it's not how much it's how often and the problem is that sugar now is added into everything i mean it's everything is we we tend to eat more processed foods and everything is uh you know thank you is enhanced with sorry i just got a package (laughs) um but yeah the problem is sugar's in everything and when it comes to sugar sweetened beverages 
one of the issues is that people have a tendency to sip on them. And once we sip on something that's been sweetened, our saliva becomes more acidic and it essentially bathes our teeth in acid for up to like, I think that the research shows an hour or an hour and a half. I think we lost her. Natasha, are you there? Sorry, I oh, muted, yes, I'm I muted myself. <laughs> I muted myself, I'm sorry. But the problem is that as we're sipping things, um, we're reintroducing the sugar and the acid back into the mouth, and then our saliva becomes more acidic. So it's like a prolonged acid exposure with sugar-sweetened beverages. So we're not washing it down, in other words. We're, like you say, sipping it and, and I guess, causing greater problems. Definitely. And as you had pointed out, I mean, sugar is added to just about everything we consume nowadays, even in things that you'd never imagine is there. Yeah. And and then when it comes to cavities, too, it's not even just sugar, it's carbohydrates. Like I've been reading a little bit of research lately that one of the biggest causes of cavities amongst children is actually like goldfish crackers. So something that's not even necessarily sweet, but has high carbohydrates. That's very interesting because Natasha mentioned bread and crackers and those kinds of things as contributing to cavities. Yeah, it's true. And that, that comes back to the frequency, right? So on top of sugar-sweetened beverages, we're also um, eating things, maybe even like the children. Um, parents are giving them things that seem like healthy options like dried fruit and granola bars, um, when actually those are all contributing to tooth decay. So where does a parent go? Where does a a person who wants to do the right thing and be eating the right things go when when considering oral health in particular? I mean, we usually say, I mean, in a perfect world, we all eat lots of fresh fruits and vegetables. um, But being mindful and making better food, food choices, drinking lots of water like Natasha talked about is a good strategy to helping reduce the acid and the sugar and the saliva. And also being strategic, not making, um, not letting small snacks last a long time. So eating snacks in one sitting versus spreading them out and saving sweet treats for after meals. Should we be bringing a toothbrush and toothpaste with us to work, perhaps? I've often thought about that. You know, if you're home, you might be brushing your teeth uh, three or four times a day. But when you're at work, you brush your teeth when you leave for work in the morning and you probably brush your teeth either after supper or before bed. So it cuts back a bit. Yeah, it definitely does. And that's one thing we saw during the pandemic is because people weren't leaving the house. They weren't brushing their teeth the same way. They weren't being triggered to brush. Um, But yeah, taking a toothbrush to work um, is is a great strategy. I have a lot of clients that ask for an extra toothbrush because they like to have one at home and leave one at work. Um, With children, it's a little harder. It's a little less realistic to get them to brush their teeth at school. So we usually recommend twice a day is kind of like the gold standard for brushing but with a lot of parents we encourage them to try to get their children to brush after school um, because they get out usually around 2 30 or 3 and then that way they get an extra an extra little addition of fluoride and to try to clear out the the plaque and even if you're packing them a healthy lunch they're picking at their friends lunches and they're having all kinds of stuff that you don't think they're having exactly and i mean and that's the thing we're not trying to suck the joy out of everybody's life right like but that's why having good habits 
is important so that you can enjoy things like that on occasion as a treat. Um, encouraging children, like really that with sugar-sweetened beverages, I usually tell parents if you can avoid your kid having anything that's sugar-sweetened, it's a good strategy because they get enough sugar from grandma and from grandpa and from, you know, just their snacks at school and stuff like that. Natasha, if there's one thing you wanted people to take away from all of this today, what would it be? Everything's in moderation. Like, um, yeah. Sorry, I get tongue-tied with these things. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's fine. You're doing fabulous, by the way, I have to say. I'm not going to remind you that you're live on the radio because that would probably just... (laughs) I know. My coworkers are listening. Yes, everything in moderation. If you you can't really, you know, afford too much at the dentist, I say the longer you stay away, the more expensive it gets. Try it once a year. Put a little bit of money aside and uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. Absolutely. Nicole, final thoughts? Um, I, well, thank you so much for having us. Um, it's an important month for us because we are trying to spread more awareness. Like we spoke about before, I think oral health, because it's been separated from the rest of the mouth in our health care, um, I think that people often don't give it as much credit because they think, oh, if it was this important, somebody would be looking after me. Um, so we just want to spread awareness on how important it is to have good oral health for total health. And we really appreciate having a, a public, public platform to connect with Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. So thank you so much. Um, and also, um, there's a few of us volunteering at the Farmer's Market this Saturday here in St. John's. And we're going to have an oral health booth set up and have some samples of some new dental products available and some information. Well, that's fabulous. Good to know. It's such a popular uh, uh, attraction here in the St. John's region. So anybody who happens to be in the area, that's a great place to learn more about good oral health. Nicole Kiley and Natasha Pelly, thank you both for coming on the show this afternoon. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everyone.